Good morning, beloved. It is an absolute honour and a privilege to be with you this, Lords, and to be able to preach the gospel to you. Um, And a very Merry Christmas to you, and may the good Lord bless your coming new year. Before we start, let us bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we do give thanks that we can assemble in thy name. We pray, Father, that you'll uh, bless the reading of the word to us this morning. I pray, Father, if it's anything of me, Lord, you'll bridle your tongue. But Lord, I pray, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that your word would go forth mightily. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The question I want to ask this morning is, why? It's something, as a dad, I get asked a lot. Why? Why do I have legs? Uh, Why do I have to go to sleep? Why do I have to eat? Lots of whys. But the other day, Joseph asked me, Daddy, why do people talk? I said, it's a very good question, Joseph. Why do you think people talk? And he thought about it for a little while. And he said, to talk to Jesus? I said, that is a very good reason why people talk. In fact, we were made to have a relationship with Jesus and talk to him, to sing to him and be with him forever. And he nodded and he accepted that. And asking why is a great way of enhancing our own knowledge. We see it in scripture, David asked why in Psalm 10. Job asked why in Job 3 and Job 13, also in Habakkuk 1. There are many people who asked why, and the question I want to ask this morning is, why have we assembled this morning? Why, do, do, uh, why did Jesus have to come? Why? The Lord Jesus fulfilled around about 350 prophecies related to his birth, his earthly, earthly ministry, his death and resurrection, and he will fulfill more on his return. Tony Pierce mentioned a few of them last week. He was be born of Bethlehem, preceded by a messenger, and be born of a virgin. But why did Jesus have to come? Why? The God who, by the decree of his divine words, created the whole universe, and with his divine words created balls of infernos we call stars, entered time and space to be born in a manger surrounded by farm animals. Why? To be born into a lowly existence. In Isaiah 53, verse 2, it says, He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Why, why, why? It's the fundamental question, the gospel question we're going to answer this morning. Only the people who visit him gave us any inclination of his divinity. We had the wise men from the east bringing gold, frankincense of myrrh. Gold represent his kingship, frankincense represent his priestship, and myrrh, anointment for death. Death, the God who created the whole entire cosmos. What about the shepherds? Anybody ever been near a livestock farmer? Don't smell very nice, do they? Would we accept farmers appearing at a maternity ward in Golders Green or Finchley? No. But here they came 
to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In fact, in John 10 verse 11, it speaks of our Lord God as the Good Shepherd. I am the Good Shepherd. The shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Last week, Tony Pierce speaks that uh, the Lord Jesus had to come from the Davidic line. King David also kept sheep. In 1 Samuel 17, 34, it said, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came to take the lamb out of the flock, I went after it, struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Our Lord Jesus would come from the Davidic line. And like, like David, he would go over after our adversary. He would conquer both sin and death and snatch us from the lion's mouth. Harkening back to Genesis chapter 3, where it says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head. The Lord Jesus will deal that fatal blow. So this morning, I want to ask that good gospel question, why? Why did the Lord Jesus have to come? I've uh, split it uh, into five sections and we're going to ask that gospel question from Romans chapter 5. The first section is God's love, verses 6 to 8. Salvation from God's wrath, verses 9 to 11. Sin in the human race, 12 to 14. Adam versus Jesus, 15 to 17. And Jesus the King. Verses 18 to 21. If you could turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. We'll be reading the whole chapter, but we'll only be really focusing on from verse 6 to 21. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also access by faith in the grace in which we stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from his wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son... Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned, for until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not, is not like the offence. 
For if by one man offence many died, much more the grace of God, and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which come from the one offence resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from the offences resulted in justification. For if by one man's offence death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offence judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even though through one man's righteous act the free gift came to men results in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so as also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that of the offence might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the good Lord bless the reading of his word. Now, this chapter is a great section to read at Christmas Eve because it comprehensively tells us why Jesus had to come. In the verse section, from verses 1 to 11, we have this beautiful, profound statement. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. The second section in verses 12 to 21 tells us why Jesus had to come and takes us all the way back to Genesis 3. In contrast, Adam and man against Christ. Condemnation and death by Adam to all men versus justification and life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's look at verses 6 to 8. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. The fact this shows man's total inability and total lack of strength. We are totally morally bankrupt before Almighty God. Complete moral bankruptcy. In fact, it parallels with the Sermon on the Mount, the very first beautiful words spoken uh, when he preached, uh, his first recording preaching by Lord Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, where he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We were completely without strength before Almighty God. In fact, this part in Romans chapter 5 is beautiful because it notifies us of three different Uh, spiritual uh, um, uh, ways that we are before God. The first is we are without strength. The second is that we are sinners. And third, we are enemies of God. But God demonstrates uh, different aspects of his love towards us through these different uh, three different points. First, we are without strength. Second, we are sinners. And third, we are enemies. But here, the first one we've come across is that we are without strength, complete moral and spiritual bankruptcy before Almighty God. Yet, beloved, in this scene of absolute helplessness, without strength, what does God do? He sends the Saviour to die for who? The ungodly. 
Even though we are out strength, even though we did not know that we needed a saviour, even though we're on a sinking ship and did not know we need rescuing, even before we had any knowledge of him, even though we're completely without strength, he enters time and space for you. He came to rescue you. Why? Because he loves you. Because he first loved you. And then Paul goes further in verse 9. He says, For scarcely for a righteous man will anyone die, though perhaps for a good man someone might even venture die. Paul's saying that for a good man, someone might die for a good man, may venture death to save that good man. Tell me something. Would any of you die for an enemy, an evil, wretched, lying, thieving, immoral person that has broken every single moral law. Would you die for that such a person? I wouldn't. Well, beloved, I am that person. I have broken every single moral law. I am an evil wretch. Yet God entered time and space to save a wretch like me. None of us would die for an evil wretch. But our Lord God, even when we were without strength, entered time and space for you. In Colossians 1.21 it says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. You might feel worthless this morning. You might feel unlovable. You might feel down in anguish. And anger. But there is one who knows every hair on your head. The Lord Jesus knew you in that secret place in your mother's womb. He knew you before you were even born. And before you even knew him, before, whilst you were without strength, the Lord Jesus had nails room for his hands and his feet because he first loved you. What a saviour. What a glorious gospel. And then he goes further. And this amazed me. In verse 8 it says, God commended his own love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It goes further. First we were without strength. Now we're sinners we're complete rebellion before God. Before, we're just without strength. Now we're in rebellion. Yet what does God do? God commends his own love towards you. Now, in the New King James, it says demonstrate. In the King James, it says commends. And I like that word, commends. Because when he commends, it is a conscious decision to commend his own love towards the sinner, towards the strengthless, towards the enemy. And he did it because he first loved us. It was completely unprovoked. We had nothing to offer and we still have nothing to offer. I have nothing to offer him. Literally nothing. Strengthless, a sinner, in rebellion. Yet he died for me. And he died for you. Despite the atrocities of the sins we may have committed. 
And the amazing thing, beloved, about our Lord God is that he does not change. Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday and forever. In fact, in Malachi 3.6, it says, I am the Lord and I change not. And if the Lord God commends his own love to you, he does not change. And he did it even though you could not pay him back. Even though you had nothing to offer him. Yet he commends his own love towards you. Um, a, car, a car salesman, say that he's a car salesman of, say, Ferrari or an Aston Martin, would commend their own wares to someone they deem worthy. Someone they deem able to pay the price. Yet God commends his tender love towards you, even though you are unable and have any, no ability to pay back. That is our Lord God. What a glorious gospel. And here, the love that he speaks of is an agape love. It is a self-sacrificing love. It is one of faithfulness, commitment and sacrificial with no expectation of return. That is our Lord Jesus. That he is the reason why we've assembled this morning because of his love. It is a pure love and he came to die for you. And in verse 9 to 11, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from his wrath. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. Hallelujah. But now, in Christ, we have now been reconciled because of what? He has done on the cross. Christ died for us yet when we were sinners. And now much more. We are now called enemies. We've gone from strengthless to sinners in open rebellion. And now we're enemies of God. Yet he demonstrated his love to us that he still went to the cross to reconcile you to himself. Not because we are worthy. You know, if you went to a court, you would generally try and procure the best legal counsel and the best advocate. Well, beloved, if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus, your advocate is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is King. And I urge you this morning to put your trust in the one whose hands and feet were pierced for you. Because one day you will have to meet your maker. And the only difference is, is have you put your faith and trust in him? If you haven't, you will have to atone for your own sin. Which is eternal separation in the fires of hell. I urge you to put your trust in the one who paid the free gift for you, the advocate, because I know, beloved, that when I go before Almighty God, I am worthless, I am a sinner. In fact, I was strengthless, a sinner, and an enemy of God. 
Yet, but when I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and I go before God, my maker, I stand behind the Lord Jesus. And who does he see? He sees the Lord Jesus and he doesn't look at me because I hide behind my saviour. I hide behind my advocate. And I go from a place of being an enemy of God and the Lord Jesus makes me a son. Hallelujah for the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did that for you this morning. Whether you knew it or not, he still went to the cross. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of the Son. We were enemies. But now we've been reconciled through the death of his Son. Because of what Jesus purchased on the cross for you and me. It's the reason why he came. He came for you to reconcile you. To make you his own. Now let, let, let us not think that we can earn our own salvation. Because remember, we were strengthless, we were sinners, and we were enemies. How on earth could we earn our own salvation? Could our filthy works earn it? No. It's a heresy preached by state churches that you can earn your salvation through money, through good works. You cannot earn your salvation. It is a free gift by the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a free gift. Now we do good works because we are saved. We do good works because we want our conduct to be worthy of the gospel. To be worthy of the gospel. We cannot earn our salvation. It is a free gift of God. In scripture, sin leads to death. And beloved, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. Due to all being born in Adam, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yet God, Lord Jesus, entered time and space for you and for me. And if you do not know the Lord Jesus this morning, if you're in the building or listening online, I beg you, Come home. Come home to the Lord Jesus. Come and speak to me afterwards or one of the elders and deacons or if you're online, please email or call in. Come home. Because the Lord Jesus, with outstretched arms, had them pierced for you to reconcile you back to God. On the other side, if you do not accept this free gift of salvation, there is eternal separation. Eternal separation. You will pay the price for your own sin rather than accepting the free gift offered by the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you do accept the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, when one day you close your eyes in this life, you will open them in the next and the first face you will see is the Lord Jesus. And the same hands that will pierce for you will be the same hands that hold you for all eternity. I beg you, come home. Come to the Lord Jesus. In verses uh, 9 and 10, we also have these much mores it describes. In verse 9 it says, much more than having now been declared righteous. And in verse 10, much more being reconciled. 
Now, if you've put your faith in the Lord Jesus this morning, what a glorious gospel. Because you've received these two much mores. Much more thou being declared righteous by holy God. And much more now being reconciled to God. Hallelujah. And we're also going to find out there's two more much mores in verse 15 to 17. But we will come to that a bit later. Much more means to have been multiplied. We've gone from a position of being evil to righteous. We've gone a position of being an enemy to then being reconciled. Hallelujah for the Lord Jesus. When I was thinking about being reconciled, I thought of one of the songs that we sing here. I'm not going to sing it, but I will... uh, uh, give you the words it's reconciled I'm reconciled I'm reconciled to God forever I know he took away my sin I know his love will leave me never reconciled I am his child I know it was on me he'd smiled I'm reconciled I'm reconciled to God and then it goes on to say I'm justified I'm justified and they are such true words because of what the Lord Jesus has done on the cross I've been reconciled and justified. Not because I'm worthy, but because he is worthy. It's saved by his life. Evidently looks forward to the day of judgment. Referred to in verse 9. And the coming wrath in God's judgment. And we are saved from God's wrath. By accepting the free gift. Not only have I gone from being an enemy to sonship of almighty God. I've now been saved from God's wrath and can approach the throne of grace with boldness. In John 5.24 it says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. Beloved, if you've accepted you, Lord Jesus, you can hold on to that promise that you've passed from death to life. And in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 it says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even to Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus this morning. And because of that, in verse 11, we rejoice. We rejoice. Why? Because we've been reconciled to God forever. In three chapters back, we were sitting in divine courtroom. If you read Romans, I really urge you to read it. It's an amazing um, uh, book. We were sitting in divine court deserving of eternal guilty and judgment. Yet here we are in Romans 5, and we see what the Lord Jesus has done. Hallelujah. We have been reconciled to God forever. In fact, in here, it's very different to what we read in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it speaks of atonement, a covering. But under Jesus, it's not a temporary covering. We have been reconciled to God. In 2 Corinthians 5, 19, it says, Now all things are God... Uh, of God who have reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation 
That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespass to them, and has committed us to the word of reconciliation. We've been reconciled, beloved. And that's the reason why we've assembled this morning, because we can look upon the Lord Jesus and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And in verses 12 to 14. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, because of the likeness of his transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Now the whole plan of salvation was initiated from Genesis 3. God sets the action plan, the largest ever rescue mission the world has ever seen. Why? Because of Adam. Here it tells us that because of one man's sin, it is a federal sin on all mankind. All have sinned. Not only is it a federal sin from Adam going through all mankind, but we also all individually sin, for all have sinned. We all deserve judgment. And here Paul is pointing that out to us. And death reigned all the way from Adam to Moses and Moses onwards. I know that because I pass a cemetery as I come to church every single Sunday. Death has reigned. Even we need an advocate. We need the Lord Jesus. We need the Lord Jesus It even speaks of the Lord Jesus being a type of Adam. What does it mean by that? Well, both Adam and Jesus at first were without sin. Adam was without sin. But Adam sinned and it caused complete ramifications for all mankind. The Lord Jesus entered time and space without sin. But took your sin and my sin. And because of that, it has ramifications for all mankind that whoever puts their faith in him will not perish but will have eternal life. And in verse 15 to 17, it contrasts the differences between Adam and Jesus. Between Adam and Jesus. In verse, in, uh, it also has the two much mores which we spoke about in verse 9 and 10. In verse 9, you remember, it spoke of being, being declared righteous. In verse 10, much more being reconciled. Well, now, in verse 15 and 17, we have much more the grace of God, the gift by grace, the gift of grace. And in verse 17, much more the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Hallelujah for Jesus. If you are saved this morning, you've received all far much mores. You've been declared righteous. You've been reconciled. You have the gift of grace and the gift of righteousness. Do you deserve it? No. Neither do I. But it is often called the great exchange. What do I mean by that? Well, I gave Jesus my filth, my sin, my hate, And everything that is wrong about me. 
and I gave it to Lord Jesus and it was my sin that held him there. And in exchange, he gave me eternal life through faith in him. It is called the great exchange because I gave him everything that was evil about me and he took it upon himself. And in exchange, he made me a son of the Most High. And beloved, it is the same with you. You gave him all your filth, all your evil thoughts, everything that was sinful about you. In exchange, he made you a son and daughter of the Most High God. What a glorious gospel. And it costs nothing but put your faith in Jesus. It is a free gift of salvation by faith alone. It is by faith alone. I urge you to choose the free gift of salvation today. And here we have the two kingdoms. We have those who are in Adam, who are in the kingdom of death, and those who are in Christ, who have received the abundance of grace, the gift of righteousness, who will reign in life through Jesus. Which kingdom will you choose this morning? I beg you, choose Jesus. Because the decision you make will have eternal consequences. I'll repeat that again. The decision you make will have eternal consequences. I urge you, come home. Come to Lord Jesus. In 18 to 21, Jesus the King. Therefore, as through one man's offence, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. Moreover, the law entered, the offence might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to the eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amazing piece of scripture. Giving us the reason why Jesus had to come. And there is consistency in the gospel, beloved. In verse 18 it tells us that through the federal sin of Adam, one man's offence, judgment came to who? All men. Condemnation. Yet by Lord Jesus, one righteous, righteous act, the free gift came to all men. Justification. By Adam, all men were condemned. Through Jesus, the free gift to all men. It doesn't matter who you are, male, female, rich, poor, doesn't matter what country you're in, where you're born, high-born, Jew, Gentile, it is irrelevant. The Lord Jesus came for all. For all men, it says, the free gift to all. I urge you, beloved, come home. And if you've accepted Lord Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, hallelujah. For you have been justified. You have been reconciled to God forever. And because of that, 
We glory in God. In 1 Corinthians 1 it says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification redemption. That is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Do you glory in the Lord this morning? Because of what he has done for you. I know as I was looking through Romans 5, I was just in constant amazement that the beauty of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And I was just in amazement at this beautiful epistle to Romans. In Colossians 1.12 it says, Giving thanks unto the Father who made us meet the partakers of the inheritance of the saints of light. Then here again the most beautiful utterance, He who had no sin was made sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah for Jesus. In this section at Pinnacles of the power of the gospel, in verse 20, it says sin abounds. But it also says, but grace abounded more. In verse 21, it says sin reigned in death. But God reigneth in eternal life. The largest ever rescue mission the world has ever seen. In verse 20, sin abounded. In verse 21, sin reigned in death. But he conquered all. In verse 20, with ever more grace. And in verse 21, grace reigned in eternal life. I urge you, choose eternal life this morning. Choose the Lord Jesus. And you might think, I'm too evil. God doesn't love me. I've done too many bad things. Done too many bad things. Too many evil things. God does not love me. Doesn't matter what you've said, Daniel. Well, I urge you. Before Paul was called Paul, he was called Saul. And he persecuted the church. Put them in prison. Persecuted the church. But the Lord Jesus met him. And he even says, the chief of sinners, he declares himself to be, the great example of mercy and grace. I obtain mercy that in me as chief, Jesus might show forth all his long-suffering for example of them that should hereafter believe on him unto eternal life. By the grace of God, I am what I am. He, is, he was saved. Come home. You might even think of David and Manasseh, how they poured out their hearts to the Lord God and in mercy he forgave them. We may even think of John Newton involved in the slave trade and he penned this amazing hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It doesn't matter what you have done, because with an outstretched arm, the Lord God saved Israel. And beloved, with an outstretched arm, he saved you. With, with nails driven through his hands and his feet. And his arm is not too short to save. For the God, by his very words, created the whole universe. Is the same one who commends his own love towards you this morning. So in summary, I ask you, come home. Come to the Lord Jesus. And if you are saved, then glory in your salvation this Christmas. Let us read the last verse in chapter 5. 
so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Father God, we do give thanks, Father, that you paid it all, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we declare you King this morning. Father, we thank you for your blessed gospel. We thank you, Lord, that even though we're not worthy, Lord, you are worthy. And you are the reason why we've assembled this morning. And Lord, we just give thee thanks. In Jesus' name.